Wiggity wiggity welcome. Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. Welcome. Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name's Kurt Robinson. And my name's Aaron Battle. All right. So today we're talking about some recent news from the June-July 2015 period, some recent stories which have drawn our attention, some opinions which we have on them. What do you got to say about that, Aaron? I'm keeping my eyes in space. I like to keep what's keep on what's going on okay a lot of talk of asteroids and solar flares but no great detail other than that shit's changing all right may the schwartz be with you and we talk about the greek exit potential greek exit from the european union their austerity measures the whole kettle of fish that they got themselves into and they might need to be eating those fish later and also we talk about some technologies uh, flying cars and other stuff. We touch on a few options if you're feeling the the stress of the the economic tremors that are running through Europe at the moment. Yeah, bitcoins, yeah. litecoins. There's other coins. No need to mention them, but they're out there. <laughs> um, a few different ideas. Maybe Libertades. Ways. Austrian Philharmonics. No, we don't. We don't mention that too much, actually. <laughs> a little strategies on trying to be safe investment-wise. What else? Right. That's yeah, it. That's pretty much it. Cool. So head on over to theparadiseparadox.com. You can have a look through our previous episodes. We put up episodes about twice every week. And you can head on over to Facebook, uh, press like on Facebook, hover over the like button, press get notifications. It's going to mean something cool is going to come up in your feed. Jump on over to YouTube and um, you could subscribe on YouTube. So we come up on your front page ready and waiting to jump out of your screen and, and yell some obscenities at you while your mom's in the room. So probably, um, you know, save it for another time. Head on over to iTunes and you can press subscribe on iTunes and that's going to mean... Uh, Updates get automatically loaded into your technological device. Uh, head on over to Pocket Casts and you can subscribe on Pocket Casts. And head on over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com. And that's going to mean you can help us out just a little bit. Suggest a donation, one US dollar per episode that you like, but give us any amount you want a million dollars, half a dollar, a Spanish silver dollar. We don't really mind which, but when you do it, it does make us feel good because that sends us a message directly into our left ventricle that indicates that there is love in this world and all hope is not forgotten. So we appreciate that. Then uh, you, when you're on our site, you can see at the top, there's a shop Amazon button. So if you're going to buy something from Amazon and you want to have a browse around Amazon, buy some books by Eckhart Tolle or by Ayn Rand or Drunvalo Malchizedek, you can head through to the shop Amazon portal that will transport you to another world of Amazon. And it's not going to mean that we charge you extra or Amazon charges you extra. It just means that when you buy something, uh, we receive a little commission from that. So head on over and do that. Uh, and head on over to Twitter. I'm at Trouble Bubble. I'm at Battle AZ. And this is the Paradise Paradox. Listen up, guys. Let's get into it.
know when you, when you wake up in the morning and you just capture the last moment of a dream, almost like in the last frame of your dream, there's a whole idea right there. Mm. Yeah. I think today I realize why detectives drink so much. What? <laughs> I, think, I, think I, yeah, I think I got it wives. You know, you always have the classic detective, coffee, piquette. Yep, Irish coffee. Yeah. Something, you know, a little buzz. I think it's because detectives need to utilize their intuition. Ah, okay. So it's about, it's about shutting the brain off a little bit and thinking, letting the mind just mellow, washing away the issues and just letting the answers come to you. Okay, okay. So what happened in this dream to t- tip you on to well, this? Well, that's the thing. I, I, yeah, it was, I've been trying to write my dreams again. Yep. And I, I just got no idea what I dreamed about other than having this image of a detective pouring his, you know, his coffee with his little hip flask. And then it's like, um, and I just had like this, well, now I get it. Now I know why you do that. It's so that you can think better. Okay. 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 But, yeah, but well, there was no dream. It was just a, just a thought. All right. All right. Yeah. I see what you're getting at. Well, this is like one of the, if, if you look at the, the classic archetype of, of the artist, or the, the habits of artists. Normally, um, a, a lot of artists will have some method of slightly altering their consciousness. Uh, and so, for, for example, um, George Carlin talks about, uh, he says, well, I don't smoke weed anymore, but I do keep a joint on my writing desk just so I can take a single puff and just one puff is in, is enough to you know break off the shackles of the day and start and start writing, yeah. Uh, just just a tiny little bit. Of course, uh, it's not always just a tiny little bit. That that practice is kind of the, what Carlin was describing. It's similar to this more modern idea of what they call microdosing, where you take for for example, you might take like twenty five milligrams or. Sorry, is it milligrams or micrograms for LSD? Um, I think it's oh, milli or micro, tiny it's amounts. Of, okay, yeah. Small amounts like, like a, a tenth of a regular hit or a twentieth of a regular hit. Uh, and somebody will take this in the morning like with their coffee uh, and then they'll go through the day and they're just this little bit more perceptive, a little bit more creative. Like it just, yeah, it, it lets their mind go free just a, a little bit yeah just enough to give them that that shudder just that little shake of a, it's mm. like a it's like a little tilt to the to the day <laughs> yeah yeah then on the more extreme end you have cases like charles bukowski or ernest hemingway where they would just you know go right off the rails or the most extreme is probably hunter s thompson where you can <laughs> you can read through the um his his daily diet if you like, of, of cocaine, uppers and downers and alcohol. And, and uh, by the time it gets to like 9 p.m., uh, he's ready to start writing. Well, what about Lovecraft? You know, he was like, he was a big endorser of heroin, wasn't he? Is that a fact? I, I believe so. Okay. Let, okay. Let, me, let me check that. But it's, there's many ways you can tilt your day. Right. Well, I do know that Freud was a big advocate for cocaine, and also cigars, of course, tobacco. But that's, that's not quite as uh, psychedelic, I guess. If you were to do an experiment, 
like mm. a microdosing experiment purely for educational reasons <laughs> and, of course, to document it well so those educational reasons were, were valid. Mm. What, what would you do? What are you interested in? Something you could... Oh, I would probably try LSD, small, yeah. t- tiny little tabs of LSD. Well, I was th- I, it, it crossed my mind and I thought, well, you know, looking at the, the dark net the other day, um, you can buy uh, DMT for, say, let's see, it's like a quarter gram for about 30 US dollars, including, including postage. So <laughs> see, and I thought, I that, wonder, that to me seemed expensive. But then you say you can't get it, and well, I, I don't know anyone that's got it. So yeah, exactly. Maybe no, maybe that is what it's worth. Well, that's not expensive. I mean, that's I, I don't see. Well, I, I don't know what frame of reference you have, but to me, that sounds like. I mean, that's that's four to six strong hits, mm. like crossover hits. Yeah. And anyway, so the thing is that the I, I I don't know much about this really, but um, I, I have heard people say that. There's no such thing as microdosing on DMT. Either you cross over or you don't. So you reach that you reach that level where you just go boop and you transport into that other dimension yeah. or you don't. <laughs> and you're just sitting in your regular room, you know, chilling in your boxes. So I suppose twenty bucks you know. doesn't seem like that big a that much <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah, what do you think? thirty bucks for an interdimensional trip? Interdimensional travel. Hmm. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty cheap. Well, I'm I am one for science. So <laughs> yeah, maybe we should explore that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, so today's episode, we're going to talk about news. Welcome, so, boys and girls. <laughs> welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Sit the down by the story chair. Paradise paradox show and tell. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what's, what's been going on? June, June 2015. Yeah, a, a lot of things. So, one thing which is particularly prominent in the news is that this last couple of days is, is uh, the Greece exit from the European Union or the possible default. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of information on it and there's a lot of developments uh, today on the date of recording, it's the 5th of July and they're, they're taking a referendum to yeah. decide whether they go with bailouts and austerity measures. Yeah, I guess I, I wanted to take this from, from like a, a non-technical, like, you know, what are we getting bombarded with in the news mm. with, this, you know, with this whole story? It's like... Um, okay, okay. There's, there's like, there's, there's a theme that, you know, oh, it's, it's Greece again. Those Greek people, I mean, you know, they couldn't get themselves out of out of debt the first time. It's like, you know, why, why don't they just go? Oh, to, Greece! Why don't they just go to work? You know, pay <laughs> off their debts. It's like, okay, I mean, it, that's an idea. I mean, that, that's a thought. But yeah, well, you know, Greeks are like famous for not paying taxes, and I guess that's a part of the problem. They're part of this European Union. They have this complex central banking system designed you know it's kind of designed it's based on people paying income tax and greeks just don't really like paying income tax and you know good for them but (laughs) unfortunately this is uh, the the negative consequence of that yeah now just with the comments that you know greek people don't work it's like looking at the stats like Mm. greek people works in the longest hours in europe 
It's like, do they do they really show up to work? Well, I mean, it's, a, it's a thing. I don't know. It's just stats. Like apparently, they on on average, like average worker works like forty two hours per week, which seems pretty normal considering we're from Australia. Yeah, that's kind of the, the normal weekly work hours. But you know, okay, you know, uh, like I, I reference this this work a bit. Uh, Wise guy by by um, what's his name, Nicholas Pelagi, uh, the the story of Hank Hill, the gangster. And and what happens in in uh, Wise Guy is um, Hank Hill will will go to work and he'll be like maybe he was like fifteen or sixteen years old at the time and the, and the, the boss is like don't worry about it we'll get you a union job so Hill goes yeah. into work and they're like what are you doing here you don't have to be here you know we'll just we'll punch you in that's how union jobs work <laughs> and <laughs> he was cool with that. Oh well, that's uh, that was the that was the deal they had because this was all run by the mob, and you know sometimes it's a there's a you know small tiny differences between a mob and a government. So if you're working the public sector and you you go into work and and you're like, um, hey, uh, Frank, or you know, and Anastasio, um, I'm not going to come into work tomorrow. Can you do me a favor? And Anastasio will say. No problem. <laughs> He'll come in and punch you in, and of course, just yeah, just uh, yeah. That's. Uh, well, I know that <laughs> I happens. I think that happens. Yeah. I, I know that happens here in Mexico with government jobs, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like a few of my uncles are, are, are cops, and that, mm. and they're like another big party last night. You yeah, might, you probably you, should, probably shouldn't go into detail about that. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, there's quite a few of them, so good luck. <laughs> Run your your random number generator. Yeah, but there, yeah, there were stories like um, certain certain public officials. Um, they they have people collect them for work, like security cards, to to make sure they get into work. Okay, um, but maybe that guy just. Um, pays off his security guard so he can get a, a holiday off with the family, something like that. Yeah. So that, yeah. That, I mean, and That's yeah, just, like you said, business. like coming from Australia, uh, that doesn't really enter our heads. Like we don't think, hang on, uh, there are places in the world which are actually very corrupt. It's like uh, I remember my friend told me a story when she was in an Indian airport and she kept asking, where is this, where is this, where is this? And nobody, everybody would just say, I don't know. Uh, she didn't realize she just had to s- slip a dollar on the desk and, and say, where is this place? <laughs> and everybody would be a best friend after that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a huge <laughs> cultural difference. Systems. And, yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah. way things are done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it is. And, and to us, I mean, when I first... Uh, started to hear about this culture or, or like I, I remember hearing and there was some Jack Nicholson movie and it's like, well, I did I, I did what everybody does in Egypt. I bribed the officials. And, and at the time I thought, well, that's, I mean, this guy's obviously corrupt or whatever, the character. Um, but that that is, that's just the way it is in a lot of the world. If you want things done, then, you know, you pay the piper. Well, it's like just being a tourist in uh, in New York. If you ask someone mm. for directions, I, I was I was hit up for like, well, dude, I just told you where you're going. Where's my tip? You know, and you give the guy a dollar or two. But um, it's it's like you're mixed between: is this the way things are done, or is this guy really homeless? And he, you know, I asked a homeless guy for help, 
<laughs> or, or what just happened here, but now there's someone in front of me that wants a few dollars. <laughs> and so it's, it's not just, you know, I mean, it is the way things are done, but it's not just countries that you'd think, you know, mm. here are people that are, that are in economic hardship. Mm. You know, this kind of... So you walked up to a guy with a business suit. <laughs> he wasn't dressed bad. Okay. You, you know what I mean? And he was, he was just, a, just a dude. Like I, I, I thought, you know, I was, it's normal to ask someone for, you know, directions. Yeah. And it's like, so, uh, yeah, helped you out. Like, okay. Anyone, pat himself on the stomach. Wearing a doorman costume or something. No, 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 no nothing like that. So, you know, pick your, pick your peeps. <laughs> Otherwise, cough up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely uh, some kind of big cultural difference there, which we don't always take account with, take account for the way we look at, international events and that's yeah well i mean that, that's that's kind of jumping back to greece i mean that's an interesting point because we have this this idea that if a country's in debt they they must have i mean you assume they must have stuffed up that's got nothing to do with the greek people mm. like you know the government's made decisions and it's not like this is the first time it's happened like there's been many other countries that have been in the same situation yeah yeah and for some reason, this time it's different. And, you know, we were saying, like, what's the big deal? Why is it different now if there's, there's been bailouts since the beginning of time? <laughs> since the beginning of the European Union, at least. Well, okay, yeah. let, let's start there. Like, the, the European Union, I remember back in the uni days, I was there scratching my head thinking, how, how does this, well, okay, without getting too complicated talking about countries all interacting with their own, you know, financial systems mm. and in, in Join it under one. Let's look at Australia. Like you know, you have you have our Reserve Bank, and the Reserve Bank, if uh, it's got its own um, like mon- monetary, let's, let's have a look here. Like mm-hmm. it, it's got its own like situation financially. Okay. And then the it, it plays the game with the Australian government, mm-hmm. and the Australian government gets to they get to borrow money from the bank and sit tight, and they they wait to see whether the Reserve Bank wants to raise or lower interest rates mm. and then the, the Australian government will you know play the party either way like okay so they've raised interest rates let's act accordingly so you've got this game going back and forth between government and then you know money makers yeah but in the European Union you've got money maker and then you've got like 29 governments mm. or so yeah so what really needs to happen is the 29 governments need to Form a workers' collective and overthrow the central bank. Or, that, I mean, that's a that's a smart thing to do. That's the I don't know what that is. Well, I mean, they well, Marxist the, revolutionary method. The, I don't know. The, the point is, they they didn't do it. Okay. I mean, yeah. you know, each yeah. each government kept their ego and they kept playing the game, and they they all they were all dictated to by by the central bank of Europe that would say, okay, well, these are our interest rates. And, you know, that, that served some countries well that were able to borrow money at, at a rate that's, that was good for them and invested as they, as they could or not. Um, but, you know, that, that difference between, like, political money policies and then monetary policy, mm-hmm. that game was, you know, you, you added 29 players in there. So, you know, you see players like, um, like Ireland and, and Greece that, you know, were... How are they supposed to compete when you've got bigger countries like, uh, like Germany with massive exports? Yeah, yeah. So, of course, the bank had to you know, get in line with you know, who was paying them, the bigger economies, and they kind of let the other economies fall 
by the side. I don't know. I don't know. I think it was that kind of structured that way from the beginning, so Germany would take control of it. But I, but, I don't know. I don't know. I tell you one thing. I do know though, because this uh, uh, researching this, I came up with this article where the prime minister um, Tsipras uh, ha- said something like, "Okay, well, here's the plan to to get out of debt um, or to to handle this this debt crisis." Um, you're going to give us a 30% discount on the debt, bear with me, and we're not going to make the first payment for 20 years. How does that sound? No, I don't know. He, he obviously he, he thinks he's in a pretty good condition to negotiate here. I think he is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know he is because it comes down to like why is it different this time? Mm. I mean, when you told me that, I got the impression that you're saying that, you know, who is he to negotiate? Well, well, I mean, he, he's the prime minister. I guess that means something. But it's, it's like if, if I was in that position um, to negotiate a debt like that, well, man, you don't want to see the kind of things that I would do. Cause, <laughs> but the kind of things that I would probably do beforehand which is, you know, yeah. it might give you an indication of how they got into this crisis. But this is the, uh, the, the old aphorism. Uh, if, if you owe the bank $1,000, then they got you in a spot of trouble. But if you owe them $10 million, you've got them in a spot of trouble. So in this case, the banks are in trouble. <laughs> Maybe. Because, I mean, what's... Okay, so they're, he's having, always, yeah, he's they're having a referendum. Hmm. What's the two choices? Yes and no. Um, I think <laughs> Oxy and Nye. Yeah. That's, so, uh, I mean, does it matter either way? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not uh, good with this macroeconomic stuff, so I, I can't really speculate. Yeah, no, you're right. It's but difficult. I, I think, yeah, I, I would say it doesn't matter either way because I think the, the, the European Union is looking in a pretty poor shape. Um, I, yeah, I don't think that it's it's going to survive all that much longer with that kind of pressure. Yeah. Um, it's uh, and yeah, uh, Greek debt is held by other central banks like the German Central Bank, uh, and that's going to mean well, maybe some other countries are going to be at risk of default because they don't have the money to pay the debts because they're not getting the money from Greece. And you know, um, Mike, I like this thing from Mike Maloney where he says. You know, the, the international um, banking system, the international currency system never made sense to me until someone said to me, picture a, a bunch of guys wearing suits sitting around a table in, in a big room and they're all passing notes to each other and they all say, I owe you. And that's the, that's the international monetary system. So when one of the guys say, I'm not playing anymore? Mm. And they, they throw their IOUs on the table. I don't, I don't know what happens. Everybody well, has to fold. I, I guess know. we'll find out. Uh, snap! Is, the, <laughs> yeah. is that how the game goes? I don't know. Yeah, but, but you're right. It's not, it's not the Greeks' problem here. It's the banks that let Greece borrow the, the money. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's everybody's problem. Well, it will you know, be. Yeah. De- definitely. What was a- interesting in these countries, like the, I, I think it happened in, the few, in a few of the pigs in the in Portugal, in uh, Ireland, Italy, Greece, and uh, Spain, uh, they had this movement. Uh, this was about three years ago. 
and it was called I Don't Pay. <laughs> and I don't know how that, how, that, how that gets to be a movement. But they were doing things like they had zip ties and they would go into the, the metro system and they would put the zip ties on the gates so the gates couldn't close and everybody would just go right through and, and take the train for free. That was their, uh, their protest. That, that was, uh, yeah, their protest against austerity measures. Hmm. So I don't know if that movement is still going. There's probably still some, uh, some so worries so holding out. So what's the point of that? <laughs> it's just, I, I think the point is partly because, well, the, with the increased taxes, uh, it, it makes it very difficult for people to, to make a living. So they just say, well, hey, this is a government service. We're not paying for it. So yeah, I think that was the idea. So if if the government have to put up with that, what well, they would just have to sell it off. Or I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that happened. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's, it's a very complicated situation, and we're gonna have to stay tuned because um, I, I'm not even sure if. Uh, if the guys that are taking care of this know exactly what's going to happen afterwards. I mean, I think that's the interesting, oh, yeah. interesting part. I mean, like, you know, we haven't been here before. Press like on YouTube, press like on Facebook, and subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and Pocket Casts. Follow us on Twitter at BattleAZ and TroubleBubble. Ensure your support at donate.theparadiseparadox.com. I have seen problems in Greece of withdrawing from ATMs, like there's a restriction there and about 60 euros, the amount that they can withdraw per day. And uh, as a result, I think uh, Bitcoin has, has rallied. So bringing this chart up here, uh, this has gone up like from the, the, around the start of May, Bitcoin was around 230 US dollars. Now it's around 207. Okay, it's a little more than 10%. Yeah, well, that's over a couple of months, yeah. yeah. Um, is it a coincidence? Do you think? No, I don't think it's a coincidence. Like, uh, like the the activity in Greece, the Bitcoin activity. When you said it's it's increased quite a bit. Yeah, well, from um, from the last episode of Max Kaiser, um, it was mm-hmm. quoted one hundred and sixty percent increase just in Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's still only a pretty one factor. I mean, you can see it obviously people in, in Greece are looking for other options to you know to invest in or to even just hold their, their money, their currency in. Um, but, I mean, with, this, with these ideas, they, you know, this, is what, this is what happened with the bank. And I think anyone that's, that's aware of the banking financial system um, outside Greece are probably looking to invest in a little bit extra as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, because the last time this happened, when, uh, when Cyprus was facing their, their issues, there was also a big rally. And yep. it seemed like a good time to invest in an alternative option. So, you know, you don't have to be in Greece to realise that it's, it's pretty, it was a good time to, to invest. And depending on what happens this week, um, you know, it could still, it's still going to be, there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of talk. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so Litecoin is in there as well. And Litecoin seems to have rallied uh, like from, from around $2 and, and currently it's sitting at $4.5. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the thing is about Litecoin, the market cap is much smaller kind of like a penny stock, so I guess it's a bit more risky. But I think, uh, like, in, in some ways, Litecoin is technologically superior, so maybe if you're looking for a, a long-term in investment, um, 
maybe, maybe like going, or a long-term speculation, maybe I should say, um, because nobody really knows where the price is going to go. But it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's pretty cheap right now. So, you know, maybe it wouldn't hurt to put a, a little bit on there and let it ride on the roulette wheel of crypto. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's very, it's still super early. Yeah. for all that stuff. I mean, I thought it was early two years ago. I mean, no, I thought it was late. You know, when you, when, you, when you first hear about it and start, you know, putting a few, putting a few dollars in, you you assume that you're late because mm. you, you you hear the stories of how many other people put money in earlier. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's quite technical. Um, mm. I'm a big believer in, in Litecoin. Have been for a while, although I've had a, I've had a few comments tell me otherwise. Like it's. I don't know. Investigate. My comments. Well, when I, I saw the volume going down about uh, about a year ago, and it was about at eleven dollars at that time, and I, I was like, hmm, I wonder if this is going to go down. And we, I saw it go down from like eighteen down to eleven dollars, and I was like, hmm, might be a good time to let, let that go. Yeah, well, I watched it go in there from fifty. That hasn't been <laughs> well, that, too much. Yeah, I, I saw it go go to fifty, but I, I, you know, I didn't. It's not like I sold at fifty or something. I think I, I bought it at seven, and then you know, I saw it go right up to to around forty six dollars. Come back down to uh, yeah. to eleven and let it go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at, at that a wild ride. At that time, um, I mean, we're going a little off course here, but at that time, it was you know, we're still looking at it in like in a dollar. Like I was 100 percent looking at a dollar figure. Now I'm looking at it as a percentage of, of Bitcoin. Right. And like, and that changes the whole way that you trade your coins. Yeah. So you know, when you start forgetting about about dollars, you look at it a little bit differently. Mm. But um, but you know, it's still it's still cool to play with you know real with with real world money for a little bit. And I don't, I don't know. That, doesn't, that does not represent my my thoughts. That <laughs> last comment. Yeah. I, I mean, it, so we're not we're not offering financial advice. We're not telling you what to do with your money. Only you know what to do with your money. No. So. But I mean, um, what, <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying is you, you, you start juggling coins to, you know, looking at the, the percentages of Bitcoin because yep. Bitcoin is like the front door of crypto. Right. So you have to go, you have to buy the Bitcoin before you can start buying other coins. Yeah. I mean, normally. So then you're looking at the other coins in comparison to the Bitcoin price and how many, you know, what, what digital, I mean, what... Um, where, where you're at decimal place wise to your Bitcoin, mm-hmm. um, but occasionally it's good to look back at how much these other coins are worth in, in dollar value mm-hmm. so that you can get more of a, like a real perspective of, you know, of actual item worth rather than Satoshi's, which sends you crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated thing. Well, I would say, uh, like, if someone like a hypothetical person, not a real person, or thinking of looking at um, get, getting into crypto and you don't, don't have anything and don't know anything about it, I would say the, the most important thing not to do is to dump a whole bunch of money on there because <laughs> I've gone, gone into that trap. Um, like the, the idea about investing in something is, um, well, a prudent, a prudent way is uh, dollar cost averaging. So maybe you have a set amount that, that you put on it each week of, of you know, the dispensable income. So maybe you have $10 available each week and you just put a, put a little bit on there uh, and um, you just buy the same, same dollar amount. That means that you don't um, increase your exposure too much. You don't increase your exposure too rapidly. 
And it also means that when it goes higher, you're buying less. When it, when it goes lower, you're buying more. Uh, and that's a, yeah, that's a simple strategy if you're looking to get some exposure in that market. Excellent advice, not financial advice, but <laughs> good strategy. Just, it's just an idea. Just ideas. And it's, you know, ideas float around. Who knows where they come from? They don't come from a financial advisor's mouth. You probably shouldn't listen to them. Uh, yeah. You see, if they don't come from a financial advisor's mouth. <laughs> if they come from a financial advisor's mouth, you probably shouldn't listen to them. Yeah, I don't. Those guys don't know what's going on. They're just salesmen. So, you know, they get they get residual commission on every mutual fund they sell. So, <laughs> be wary of, of anyone trying to sell you anything and do your own research. 100%. Yeah, anyone trying to... Okay, so, so where, where are we at? Yeah. Kind of a little lost. <laughs> okay, okay. So, <laughs> all right. So, so Greece is looking unstable. Bitcoin looking uh, increasingly more stable. Um, but who, who really knows about either of them? Well, I, I'd say, uh, I think we can say more safely that Greece is in trouble uh, than we can say that Bitcoin is in a good position. So, <laughs> that's a good seesaw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, one, one news article which came up the other day, which I, I thought was so ridiculous, so ignorant, so, so much. Um, Full of shit propaganda was this piece on on uh, Mike.com. Mike.com is like this leftist uh, mouthpiece from the United States, and and they just pump out more or less complete nonsense. I mean, you can, <laughs> I mean, this is this is sites like uh, Slate.com and I don't know Jezebel, and they, and they just uh, produced it. Uh, a lot of hmm. Well, it's certainly not something that's to my taste, but I like to keep a, a, a an angle on it, keep, keep my finger on the pulse there, and see what craziness comes out of, of the um, of the, the um, 1984 um, reverse memory hole propaganda generating machine. I don't know if this is a whole mixed metaphor there. Um, anyway, so one article that came up was talking about somebody who uh, apparently died, one person had died from measles. But the facts of the case are slightly different. Um, I mean, the the angle on the story was, thanks a lot, Jim Carrey, um, first measles death uh, in over a decade in the US. This is the exact headline. You did it, Jim Carrey. U.S. confirms first measles death in over a decade. So this is a bit of a tenuous link here. So, uh, like last week, Jim Carrey came out and he was he was um, dropping a bunch of tweets. He wasn't actually saying that he was anti-vaccination. So this this is a a very yeah you could call this grasping at straws. I would say because for for the first thing, Jim Carrey didn't say that he was against vaccination. What he says was. He, he was about safe vaccination and he, he had questions or he, he said that we should eliminate neurotoxins from, from vaccines. Uh, thing, things like mercury, which is in the, the mirasol, uh, and uh, aluminium. Now, of course, the, uh, the, this is a contentious issue because people say that in small amounts, these, these do more help than harm. 
uh, or they, they don't, of course it's the dose that makes a poison. Um, so in a small amount, maybe it's not that bad. I, I don't want to raise that whole issue, but the point is that we're misrepresenting Jim Carrey's position from the, <laughs> from the first place. Then they, they misrepresent the facts of the case because this woman didn't actually die from measles, she had a whole bunch of uh, uh, other disorders, or uh, sorry, other illnesses, which uh, contributed to her death. So it wasn't just measles which, which contributed to her death. And this woman was actually vaccinated when she was a child. Uh, so how can you spin this and say somehow this is anti-vaxxers' fault? I, I don't know, that's, that's a whole lot of spin. You know, just slippery slope one after the other rack you know rack up this um this tower of babel of of uh of um, bricks coated in vaseline uh and you get this this uh argument which mike.com is is presenting all right this is one actually on jezebel.com my mistake there the other one about his tweets was on mike.com yeah so that's um yeah, that's a, that's a whole thing. I mean, the thing about vaccines is um, it's it's a very deep subject. Uh, it's it's very controversial. It's difficult to get clear information. It's difficult to get double-blind studies. Uh, people will even rally when you ask for a double-blind study, which is supposed to be the gold standard of science, and it's what any skeptic will ask for when you tell them that. Uh, homeopathy is, is a reasonable treatment for diseases. They will ask for that. And they're right to ask for that because that is a high standard of evidence. But when you ask for that for vaccines, well, it's very difficult to, to obtain that. And people will even shout at you and, and say that's unethical to... to uh, it's, it's unethical to ask for a double-blind study because that would mean denying people a vaccine. And you say, well, how do you know that vaccine if it works? And, and you say, are you saying that we should avoid giving these people a vaccine that we don't, that, um, that um, we actually don't even have any proof that that it works? And this is a this is a whole complicated issue that comes out when you talk about vaccines. Is that the problem with that? Like, is that the problem? With- it's it's one argument that people have, have raised, and to to me personally, they they've said that it's it's unethical to to not give people vaccines or to give people a, a, a booster shot of, of saline solution and tell them it's a vaccine. They tell me it's unethical. But, I, um, but to say it's unethical um, to, to deny them a flu shot or something, then you have to assume that first that the, that the flu shot actually works, which you don't know it works because you don't have a double-blind test. It seems so, more crazy that they're giving people this vaccination. Hmm. And telling them that it's a vaccination when they don't know what the hell it is. Yeah, well, okay. This this is a this is a very complicated issue. It's also a, it's a very emotional issue. And I remember the first time on Facebook when I, I started asking people, "Do you have any information for or against vaccines?" Because I'm going to travel and I want to know. Maybe I sh- maybe I should consider ignoring the health warnings and and uh, maybe the the risks are worse than benefits. Uh, and people even yeah even rational people started 
started saying to me that, uh, you know, that this, this vaccine is considered 100% safe and effective, uh, and if you don't take it, why don't you, you know, you could, you're risking death or some, something like that. It's a, it's a whole ball of wax. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I still don't know. I still don't know if vaccines uh, work or they don't work. It's, it's just so complex. But I do know um, the economic argument against the, the vaccine is, is quite clear cut. Because what happens is, in, especially in the US, the vaccine companies, the pharmaceutical companies, have immunity from prosecution. So if you get sick from a vaccine, you can't sue them. And that means they don't have the incentive to produce a product which won't make them liable. See, I didn't realize that. I mean, you mentioned that to me at lunch, and I was yeah. like, that is crazy. Yeah. So uh, it, it's crazy because, well, let's look at the background of the, the US uh, medical system and where that's all set up. But so you, and I'm not sure if it's true, but I'm assuming that it might be a, a place to stand if you were to get sick, like severely sick because you didn't take the vaccine, mm. then you may not be covered. Perhaps it's like, well, did you, did you take the standard, the did you take the, the expected vaccinations, and you don't because mm. you don't know what they are, or maybe you know, maybe you don't trust you. I don't know. Maybe you don't trust what the vaccine is. I mean, I, I know many people that are in that that point of view. Yeah. But yeah. then, but then you do take the vaccine, and then you get sick anyway. Or there's an effect, or there's a reaction, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, who's accountable for that? Nobody. <laughs> exactly. And th this is a problem in Australia because they're Im implementing these laws which mean that people aren't eligible for benefits or alternatively, they're not eligible for, for certain uh, tax returns, tax deductions, uh, when they decide not to vaccinate them themselves or their children. Uh, and so this results in essentially extorting people for thousands of dollars if they don't vaccinate. Now, who's, I mean, is it really the government's business to decide what kind of medical decisions that you make for you and your family? I don't think so. I, w I wouldn't trust, like, if you go down to the, the DHV or Vic Roads or the, or, you know, the, the, the what are they called? The RTA. Uh, <laughs> do you trust that person behind the counter to make a medical decision for you? The person who can't even, you know, book your appointment for a driving test? Do you trust that person with your life? Because that's what you got to do. That happened? <laughs> that's not a good, that's well, terrible. It's yeah. like, it's like the medical industry saying, well, you've smoked in your life, so we're just going to, um, we're just going to block you from any, any respiratory issues at all. You are not eligible for medication or assistance. Mm. Or uh, you drink alcohol, well, there goes your, there goes your stomach kidneys and liver, we're not going to attend any of those because you asked for it, you know, or whatever. Or what's stopping them from saying what you can and can't eat next? Yeah, exactly. Well, they already do that. Or giving you, do, a, they, giving you a set diet. They, they already do that because they ban raw milk in Australia and in the United States. No way. Yeah. Um, so this, this is, I mean, there are some loopholes. Uh, what they do in Australia is they sell raw milk by labeling it as for cosmetic purposes only. So, you know, you could bathe in it or something. Um, but people drink it, and of course, that, that's the real in, intended use. But the label says cosmetic. Um, 
and in the United States, they have some deals where, um, for example, a, a customer won't, won't buy milk from the farmer, but they will uh, buy a share in a cow, and then they will pay the farmer to maintain that cow, and then they can go down to the, to the farm and collect some milk. But once they cross uh, state borders, then it becomes a whole other problem because it's a, it's a federal issue, and yeah, a lot, a lot of things get involved. Some cases where federal agents have, have tricked a, a farmer into crossing a state border with raw milk, you know, that's, yeah, entrapment. I'm, I'm laughing on the inside. Mm. I mean, like, how, how do they manage that? Or how are they going to, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I decided to leave. I, I got over all the rules. <laughs> I thought this is this is bullshit. You're gonna tell me what milk I can? I didn't even know I couldn't drink raw milk. <laughs> you tell yeah, me well, what you know. You see in in the stores, pasteurized and homogenized, and that's everything you can buy. That's another thing. Homogenization. Okay, pasteurization. So when you get raw milk, you can get it unpasteurized, and because it's still warm and fresh, and, and it's still pretty good. Pasteurization is a is a remnant of a, from an era when we didn't have refrigeration. I mean. Raw milk will, will still keep pretty well if you're refrigerating. Uh, hom- homogenize, homogenization, I believe that's that's a term, uh, and that that actually uh, I read that it's actually originally implemented because uh, they wanted to even out the competition because you can tell how good milk is by how much cream it has. If it has more cream, then it's good milk. But if you have all of them homogenized, so like the, the dairy industry would lobby the, the government and say, hey, we want this homogenization law, all of them homogenize it, and you can't actually tell which milk is good and which, which isn't. It's well, just this all, it's completely homogenized. Just don't drink milk. <laughs> yeah, that's another way out, yeah. Yeah, I, I, just, I just stopped drinking milk. Mm. But now I feel like buying a cow, because maybe I should be drinking milk. <laughs> I don't know what to believe anymore. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, yeah, on the topic of vaccines, I do want to mention this article. It's on lourockwell.com, and it's called First They Came for the Anti-Vaxxers. And it's, it's talking about, it, it analyzes the issue from, from quite a few perspectives. It's, it's kind of skeptical, but leaning towards anti-vaccination. Uh, and it's, it mentions a lot of, information like um, it's it, it lays out about 15 arguments that people commonly use against anti-vaxxers uh, and so for example it, it says how people uh, how uh, Wakefield is being discredited Wakefield was the, the, the scientist who claimed that there was a connection between vaccination and autism and so pro-vaxxers will always bring that up and say look Wakefield was discredited like, argument's over. The science is settled. The science isn't settled, and there are actually several articles you can look at, several studies, which indicate there is a connection between autism or autism spectrum disorder and vaccinations. So there, there is still a question there. It's still a legitimate question. Uh, I don't know what the answer is, and it's, uh, it takes a long time to figure it out. But it is a question. <laughs> Yeah, I I didn't feel that strongly, you know, yay or nay against vaccines. I didn't like the idea. Mm. But um, 
Well, it's, you know, on, on its surface, it's very counterintuitive. Like, hey, we're going to inject you with a, a, a modified version of, of a virus that's uh, been grown in dead rabbit brain, um, we're going, and we're going to mix it up with a mercury compound uh, to form an adjuvant and inject it in directly into your veins, thereby bypassing your, um, your natural immune system. That is very counterintuitive. Uh, it's, it's not something you would think of, you know, if you were on a <laughs> deserted island and you wanted to, you know, ward off medicine, it's not the, it's definitely not the first thing you think of. Yeah, I think we need to choose. <laughs> like you, you, need yeah. to, you need to choose yay or nay. That, that was like kind of my point. I never picked, I, I never, I don't know. I, I never invested myself into this. I think it might depend on the individual vaccine and you know, some have more risks than others, but it is... It's, it's open. Yeah, but check out the article on, on lugarokwell.com. I'll leave a link in the, in the comments there because um, it brings up a whole range of, of points. And I do notice on, like, on both sides of the debate, there are these very sketchy arguments which get made. Like, uh, for example, anti-vaxxers were saying things like, oh, look at this study. You can see that uh, 260 people died in this study. That proves that um, this this vaccine is actually more dangerous than just leaving people alone. But then, when I looked at the study, it turned out that you know 180 of those deaths were from car crashes and totally unrelated things. Uh, so you have to be careful to your due diligence with information. On the other hand, the other day I, I saw an article which was pro-vax, and it said something like, um, "Oh, well, anti-vaxxers claim that." Um, the, the money is an issue that the, that the money incentivizes um, pharmaceutical companies to, to um, promote these vaccines but they only account for 2% of the international pharmaceutical market which is, you know, and happened to be a sum in the billions of dollars and that was, that was their argument to discredit that, that the pharmaceutical industry had an incentive to promote vaccines but that is fucking ridiculous. It's like saying, hey, you know, uh, I know you think that I stole $100 from the cash register, but you know that $100 only represents 0.000000032% of the Mexican economy. So, obviously, I didn't steal it. That is the, that's the level of argumentation that gets thrown around. You're a free man. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Exonerated. Yeah. Another interesting thing um, that popped up on the news this last month was talk of asteroids again. Yeah. It was an asteroid. And I asked him, man, what do you think of the asteroid? Like some big, some big news. Like is an asteroid hurtling towards Earth and it's the end of everything as we know it. And we're all going to die. And where's Kurt? Can I come hang out with you in your underground bunker? Like I don't have one. <laughs> All these sort of crazy ideas. Yeah. Um, well, apparently the, this, the last one that's been discovered is called uh, 2003 QQ47. Mm, don't that's know, a sexy name. I don't know what that's code for, but they shouldn't they give them like, you know, chick names or dude names. <laughs> like with hurricanes. Yeah. Hurricane anyway. Hurricane Foxy Lolita. On the task. Astero- <laughs> She's growing. Foxy <Astero-Linda. laughs> Going to be a 
Give me a bad season. <laughs> I don't know. I lost some train of thought. No, I mean, the, like, asteroid news was like a big thing. Um, what years ago, right? I, I, I could, I'm surprised they still talk about asteroid news. No, it comes up every few years, kind of. Yeah, it still it still comes up like oh, you know it's going to be a close mist or a, a close mist, close miss. Um, or it's gonna. There was one a couple of years ago that flew between the moon and the Earth, and they yeah. didn't, they didn't talk about it until after it was past us. And okay. I was like, oh, well, you know, anyone in this area might have saw a a comet last week, and uh, you know that just just missed Earth. Well, um, I I don't, I don't know the details of that one. I think it was only last year, or year before. Yeah. Okay, so with all this asteroid asteroid news. Yeah. Like I was wondering why do they even why do they even give asteroid news when it's not like we can do anything about it, or is, is it just like a, it's like a distraction from real news, yeah. just, to, just to scare people into not thinking about what's really going on. Mm. I mean, it, it used to worry me, but now I was like, well, bring it on. I'm ready. <laughs> give me give me the asteroid. All right. So well, yeah, I remember. Okay. No, it's just a. So, I mean, I'm interested in space. So, okay. so it was like, you know, I didn't know there was other options. But uh, on YouTube, I started watching the, the Suspicious Observers channel, right. which talk about mainly sun activity. There's really not much going on out in space except for our sun. <laughs> so every day they give a report saying, the sun looks pretty normal. Well, that's the, uh, that was the gist of it okay. up until recently. <laughs> These guys are like doing a a long play troll. Like, I'm going to establish reputation saying nothing out of the ordinary for five years. And then I'm going to tell everybody that that there's increasing solar activity and we're, you know, impending catastrophe. Well played. (laughs) Well played, suspicious observer. (laughs) Um, It is pretty cool, though, because it gives you like a. It gives you uh, information about CMEs, which are coronal mass object, um, emissions. What's the word? Uh, objections. Objections. You said it's an E. Emissions. Uh, CME. Oh, emissions. That's it. Yeah. Let's say that again. CMEs, uh, coronal mass emissions. And this is like solar activity, solar energy, uh, like a solar flare. Yeah. Um, except they they. The way they present them, um, or the cameras that they have, they look like a black. They're black dots in the sun mm. that um, that build up and they they explode outwards. You know, showering the universe with with energies. Um, so that's cool. Except that now we're you know now there's a whole lot more of this activity, which apparently happens every every so eleven years or so. There's like a, a pole shift of the sun, which mm. which is normal, and um, there's there's like these these waves of more sun or uh, solar flare activity. And it was only a few days ago, well, like 23rd of June, that, that we got hit. Like we got hit with a, like a big solar flare that hasn't happened for, for a long time. Like I think the last big one was like in the 50s. So we got hit and, you know, that didn't change anything except that I think in some areas of the sky where the, where the uh, high altitude aircraft were like going through higher doses of radiation, I don't think it was enough to affect anything, but it's like where we're getting in those areas like double or three times the radiation to normal. So that's kind of exciting because now we're in this time when we get hit with a whole lot more flares. And you're you're thinking like, and 
<laughs> yeah. So what, um, what happens? Does mutant activity increase? Uh, the Fantastic Four come out of the woodworks? Well, I think so. I think that's going to happen. I think we get, we're, getting, we're getting radiated. Like, I guess it doesn't matter with Fukushima across the water spilling its guts over there and, you know, with all the, the atomic bombs that the French dropped back in mid-90s and whatever. Like, there's enough <laughs> nuclear particles in our, in our world that it doesn't really matter. I don't think if you get hit by a few solar flares, <laughs> except that when the big one hits, all the power lines are going to melt. Our microwave is going to grow legs and walk out. I quit. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm not sure. But the question is, why do they talk about asteroids and they don't talk about solar flares when there's been, you know, the movie with, with uh, Nick Cage and everything caught on fire? You see that? You see that one? No. So a little while ago. It's like no. The solar flare hits the planet and everything turns into, well, I don't know, like, like we hit with a death ray. Everything burns. Like the whole thing just like a big, kind of like a tsunami, but we're on fire. Wow. Okay. That's not the one with the aliens. No, different. Okay, different okay. No, I don't know. But yeah, so why sounds, are we... Sounds like a proper shit movie. Uh, it, got, it got at least five, didn't it? <laughs> five out of ten. Something like five that. Five out of a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, well, I guess what, what I'm asking or what I'm interested in is why do they try and, and scare people with asteroids mm. and they don't talk about something real, like the real effects of, of solar flares and mm. it's not on the news. When that, you know that's really going to cause something sooner or later, you know, fly yeah. fly an air, uh, fry an aircraft, yeah. and uh, or, or I don't know, just melt your electronics. I mean, it's when the big one hits, we're going to be we're going to be without the internet for at least in some areas for a few a few days. I, I can imagine all the lines getting fried, and you know the Bitcoin system shutting down. And there being one little dude with a with a little generator, radio. yeah, with a little radio somewhere with his generator pedal car or something, and here he's mining all the bitcoins to himself <laughs> <laughs> okay. and, until the power comes back on, and everyone's like, "Whoa, someone's mined like a million bitcoins." <laughs> that that'd be a funny story. That's news. Hasn't, hasn't happened yet. That's the space news with Aaron Battle. Thanks. No, feel Check much out the more link. informed about the future. It's it's interesting. That's all. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's talk about some technology, though. Let's talk about cars, flying cars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, last last week I posted a, a flying car. Um, and, you know, I thought that's pretty cool. We've been hanging out in flying cars for forever. Yeah. yeah. Except, um, you know, when I, when I went to look up its competition, I realized that there's like 50 different types of flying cars. And the tweet that I threw up was, we have flying cars now, but where are the flying roads? <laughs> so, and then, you know, you look up a few flying it's cars a logical, as well. a logical thing to say. Yeah, well, well I, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of them. We'll probably, we'll, we'll have to talk about it in more detail sometime. One I did see was uh, like this this uh, kind of a quadcopter thing, except it, it had, let's see, there, there are a couple of these. One I think had about eight or ten rotors and it was this thing that a guy had made in his backyard and you see him is sitting on this platform. Uh, it must be about um, 
six or eight meters square and uh, he's there with this joystick and he just raises himself up off the ground with uh, a lot of uh, um, a lot of dexterity um, the other one is a, it's a similar piece called the, the volocopter and it's it's yeah like a helicopter except it has 16 rotors and it looks ridiculous but um, I guess if you have a large yard, it might be practical. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I like the ones, there's been like a, a motorbike design with a, like a copter in front and behind. Yep. That, yep. that seems more compact because the one you showed me looked look bigger than a helicopter. Yeah. It looked massive. Yeah. Yeah. But extremely stable and yeah, lightweight. See, so, yeah, I, I wonder if, okay, you build one of these things and mm. you're, you're on your rooftop up here. Mm. And you just start flying around your local city. <laughs> like, how long are you going to last before there's like these black helicopters going? You don't have permission <laughs> to fly that, <laughs> that thing. Down. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, just, just here? I don't know, but I guess somebody has to do it. Somebody, some wacko with his homemade flying car has to do it because uh, it, it has to, be, there has to be somebody who, who's going to go first. And, and say, I'm going to take this flying car to the skies and, and uh, you know, practice some civil de- disobedience to uh, increase the freedom in the long term for the rest of us. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, when I mention these flying cars, I, I think they're not that far away still. I think it might be another five years or so, but I, I think... They're going to come in and, you know, it's it's a top-down thing. So it'll be, the you know, the first one will be cost about as much as a, as a sports car, high-end sports car, then a low-end sports car, then, uh, then a family car and then a compact car. And it comes right down, you know, um, as they get further and further into mass production and improve their techniques and, and find ways to, to make them more accessible. But also it, it's, a, it's a case of, of legislation because a lot of countries are going to be like, you can't fly that here. You know, someone trying to fly over over Moscow, over uh, the St. Basil's Cathedral. With his jetpack. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they won't be too happy about that. They'll be, you know, the KGB will come out and start shooting him down. Putin will try to wrestle him like a, like a grizzly bear. Uh, um, so that will definitely be a problem for Russia, and that's my prediction for you know june 13th 2021 but the um the thing is the legislation has to has to be broken down and it's it'll be piece by piece probably uh, where one country uh which will probably be um an advanced technological country so for example uh korea or south korea japan um singapore or some other special economic zone maybe dubai um, or, or it might be some place which uh, where the rule of law is very weak, like some somewhere in Africa or, or somewhere in Latin America, where people are just like, "Yeah, fuck it, <laughs> I'm right." <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. some some cowboy out in his farm in the in the backwaters of Peru, uh, <laughs> yeah, powered by like fire extinguishers, and I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Strap on ten fire extinguishers and fly to the moon. Yeah, uh, so. The the thing is, I think it will be like piece by piece, government 
governments will say, "Well, we have to uh, well, let's let's give this a go," and then uh, eventually a couple more say, "I guess this is working," and then eventually the the last ones will say, "We're being embarrassed here," which is like what happened with with the automobile, uh, like in England. There was a law where if you were driving an automobile, you had to have a friend out in front of you running to the next block and, and waving a flag around so everybody knew that there was an automobile approaching. Uh, so that's that could be one of the primary reasons why Britain never had an automobile industry. <laughs> Not enough balloons. <laughs> what? I mean, well, people with their, with their waving around their... Right. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they had. I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be easy to say uh, like semaphore flags or something, yeah. like like a racetrack? Yeah, something like that. Here yeah. it comes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but but most of these cars, like like the the real ones that you think, okay, that's got more legs. They're like okay, terrafuge. They got jets on them, right? Uh, these so are like- terrafuge is uh, the the TFX is uh, electric, so. Uh, it's not not exactly a jet. It's like a like a turbine or like a propeller. Mm. Um, but it has, I, I believe, it has three propellers, like one on each of the wings, so it can do a vertical takeoff, and then it has the back one to push it along. Is that the one where the where the pilot can actually? I mean, that, that's fully drivable. Is are this autonomous? Uh, yeah, the the plan is at least to to make it autonomous. Yeah, so you just punch in your destination and away you go. Because you don't want to trust. I mean, you see how people drive around here? I can't imagine people flying these cars. I mean, the accidents would be very bad. But yeah. I, I thought, well, you know, maybe, you know, because you don't want people flying around your local town. Mm. So, you know, maybe there's like ways of making like air highways from town, like city to city jumps. Right. First. Because, I mean, I don't know how they're going to bring this stuff in, but it's like, it's, oh, it's going to be very you said soon. like with, with air taxis, maybe you could... Like if if you needed a flight from Sydney to Melbourne or you know Sydney to Albury, really quickly, and you you couldn't wait for a uh, an an airplane or you know book a book something with Qantas or Jetstar, uh, then you just uh, hire one of these air taxis and it'll get you there in like two hours. You know, it's, yeah, it's a possibility. I'm actually hoping they'd be cheaper. You know, mm. get a crew of your friends together. It's like people will be yeah. do, you book. I don't know how many seats do they have. Oh uh, well, the Tarafuja only has two, I believe. That TFX. Okay. Yeah. So, but you know, in the future, it might they'll probably release a mini bus model. But it seems to be like they're. I don't. We have to do another episode about this because there's, there's like there's heaps of them, and I'm I'm yep. interested in nutting out how we can give a, a strategic document to our local authorities and how we're going to implement these flying cars. <laughs> okay. Okay. The wait and see approach, aka freedom, at least for now. <laughs> so, is that a yeah. thing? <laughs> well, that was, you know, like with uh, Andreas Antonopoulos when he he speaks in front of uh, committees of politicians. Like the, he he spoke, uh, he answered some questions for some Canadian politicians, and that's what he always says: the wait and see approach. The wait and let's just wait and see. Uh, it, uh, sometimes it gets through. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's pretty a clever way to keep out of trouble. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because the the thing is, you know, government fucks things up. So you want to, if you can, you know, just 
saying to them, let's not regulate the internet or let's not regulate Bitcoin or flying cars just yet. <laughs> just don't do anything. Sit on your thumbs for five years and then we'll talk. <laughs> and they're pretty happy with that. So, I don't have to do anything. I don't, I don't know. I don't think. Uh, it, it depends. It depends on a lot of factors. It depends on lobbyists. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of uh, activity behind closed doors which goes on there. Well, I did say one interesting thing, slightly related. Uh, so there was a leak apparently from a venture capitalist who was saying that Google's plan with its autonomous vehicle is to make a service called Google Free Ride. And so Google is going to blow the taxi competition out of the water by providing free taxi rides. Uh, so I imagine they probably have some advertisement-driven model. So if you're sitting in the, in the taxi with a, with a smartphone or something, then, it, then it, it, it lets you plug it in or connect to the Bluetooth in the taxi and then it shows you some ads so to pay for your taxi ride. But other than that, I... I I don't really have any idea how they would monetize it. Well, they, they wouldn't keep it free, would they? I mean, it, it might be free just to get the cars out there and people use them. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's a possibility, but this, uh, according to this source, which is pretty tenuous, I mean, it's an anonymous source and, yeah, nobody really knows who said it, but, but uh, according to this source, the idea was to create the service being a free ride and called, for, called free ride and being free forever. Great. Yeah, well, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, we won't need, we won't need cars. Yeah, yeah. Why, why keep a car when you can just holler for a free one? Yeah. That's perfect. No traffic. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone's in flying cars anyway, so, <laughs> you know, who wants to hang out with those ground people? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Groundlings. Pitiful earthlings. Okay. So, all right. So, that, I guess that's, that's all of our points. Do you have I, any other um, thoughts? I'm sure there's something there that I'll bring up in the next episode. Okay. Okay. All right. So, that, that about wraps it up. My name's Kurt Robinson. And my name's Aaron Battle. We are the Paradise Paradox. With our powers combined, we beam out paradises and paradoxes to the universe now so uh, if you want to keep in touch head on over to facebook type in the paradise paradox it'll come up and then you can press like hover over the like button and you can press get notifications so you get our notifications uh, for whenever we post something so you can stay up to date with random shit that we talk about then head on over to youtube and you can subscribe on youtube press the subscribe button and press the like button or the dislike button give us a thumbs up or thumbs down like you were julius caesar um, deciding on whether we would live or die and then uh head on over to the paradise paradox you can look back through our previous episodes we got a lot of content on there we release episodes twice a week and uh, you can leave us a comment on there let us know what you think and uh, you can also go to donate.theparadiseparadox.com so we know that there's a lot of people out there when you see a busker in the street doing something entertaining and you stick around for a few minutes you give that guy a couple of bucks maybe maybe just a dollar a suggested donation one US dollar per episode that you like so 
uh, go on, donate.theparadiseparadox.com. If, if you enjoyed what we do, if it opened your mind a little bit, if you gave us some ideas or some laughs, head on over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com and you can help us out. Also, you'll see the shop Amazon button. And if you're going to buy something off Amazon or you just want to have a browse, head on over to theparadiseparadox.com, press the shop Amazon button. You can see some of our... Um, recommended books on there two things that we've read which are interesting related to what we're talking about so click through to the to the amazon portal and it doesn't cost you any inconvenience or anything like that it, do, it doesn't mean that it's it's going to add an extra charge onto your bill it just means we're going to receive a little commission from that so we do appreciate it when you help us out that way uh and hand on over to twitter i'm at trouble bubble i'm at battle az and have a really good one. Keep it cool. Jump in the pool. Hang out with your friends. Wait for the world to end by a giant asteroid heading into... Or a solar flare. ...to daunt your hemorrhoids. All right. See you next time. Mm-hmm.